Welcome to D4 Sports, Day Drinking with Don and Dustin. I'm Don. And I'm Dustin. We're coming to you from Lubbock, Texas. And London, England. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Welcome, everybody, to D4 Sports, episode number 11. Episode 11, here we are on October the 11th. Uh, fitting date for our 11th episode. Dustin, how are you doing today, sir? Doing well. Um, glad to be on here again and, and getting this one going. Um, and then just kind of unwrapping what we saw this, this past weekend in the NFL. That'll be, that'll be fun because it's starting to get to a point where teams are showing who they really are and we can kind of, you know, figure out a little bit of what we, we're going to see moving forward. Yeah, I, I I don't disagree with that, but I have to say first and foremost, how many hours did you spend in the hearse this week, sir? Probably less than an hour. <laughs> well, that's probably good. After uh, fifty I, plus hours last week, uh, you balanced things out this week, huh? That's right. Had to had to cut back a little bit. I don't want to be overzealous and just go all out again. No doubt. No doubt. Well, here we are, D4 Sports, uh, bringing it to you uh, again this week. We'll start with a, uh, a few opening shots here in a minute, but let's uh, first off give an update on, uh, you know, kind of the, the D4 housekeeping, as it were, right? The, uh, the fantasy sports competition. Dustin, you had a good week. Went 6-2 and two yes, this week. You've extended your lead. Uh, I, you know, I mean... I'm not giving up hope, certainly, because we've done this enough years to know that, uh, you know, you can come back. But you're currently up 23 to 16 to 2. You're up a full 7 in our fantasy games. So far. Like you said, it can definitely turn on a dime. But all, all that, just laying that aside, we, we did have a fantasy landmark this weekend. At least I did. Right. I, you did. I did, and I—I I mean, you—you you can see my smile. Our, you know, we don't—we're not doing video podcast, so the rest of the world can't see it. But <clears throat> Sunday morning, I just—I got a wild hair, and I thought, well, you know, I'll just what—I'll do a showdown for the early game here in London, Jacksonville and Buffalo Bills. I'll go ahead and just do it, you know, a game, and you know, the, in in DraftKings, you do the showdown. It's just a single game. I thought, well, I'll go ahead and do one. Just so I have something to watch for. I have some reason to watch, right? Because the first game here comes on at 2.30. I know in the U.S. it's, what, like 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning? Anyway. Correct. I, I, I put a team together, and lo and behold, first place. I won the game $300. Ladies and gentlemen, my first ever first place win in DraftKings. Congratulations. I'm going to clap for myself. Good job. Good job. Pat yourself on the back. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely, I did. I was, I was, you know, announcing that to Karen all day long because, you know, I mean, it, it never happened. It was uh, pretty exciting. I had somehow got the right team and, uh, and did it. So for all of those. Did you have to you go know, buy or something afterwards? <laughs> well, we won't, we won't get into that. <laughs> well, you know, well, that's, why do you got to bring it down? Why do you got to bring it down like that? Because you said you just talked about it the whole day. So, well, I mean, of course I did. No, you, you do that 
something's going to come of it. I mean, I've been, I've been playing these DraftKings games for whatever, eight, ten years now, and I had a couple of big wins, but first place, absolutely first place. And, and, you know, and again, I'll just, everybody, uh, the most listened to episode so far in the history of, of D4 Sports is Drunk Uncle, where we talk about, uh, about uh, you know, fantasy sports. And I would say, don't bet nothing. And I didn't bet nothing, but I only played one game because historically, I don't do that well in the showdown games. I've just not been the games where I've tended to win, so I don't tend to play them. But, man, if I'd, if I'd have made a couple of the right bets, whew, man, I'd have been flying you over to London, Dustin. Absolutely. But uh, anyway, so uh, so there we go. And you won Pick'em again this week. You, well, you beat me anyway. And uh, so you're up. And, you know, my brother, i got to give a shout-out to Stuart. Only one that picked the Raiders on Monday night. And lo and behold, the Raiders come through. All the flack he gets about being a Raiders fan. We bag on him incessantly, but he picked the Raiders, and there you go. And your boy, Jordan Love, had a quality showing, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, especially for Stewart, his team's playing a middle-of-the-pack Maybe uh, lower lower middle of the pack team. He he kind of has to pick them. I mean that's yeah. especially for as much flack as he's been he's been getting. But he stood true to being a Raiders fan and was the only one that picked the only him. one. So I, I I like how you deflected away from Jordan Love there and his uh, three interception game this week. I was gonna say kind of like his passing game deflection. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> Well, well played, sir. So, but we're going to get into the NFL later. But uh, Jordan Love this week, do you think he's is that true colors or is that an anomaly in your in your opinion? I think it's going to be an up and down year. Um, yeah. I said he would play well, especially since uh, being under the tutelage of Aaron Rodgers. If he learned anything from Aaron teaching him or just watching, um, but I do think in it's almost like your rookie year because he didn't yeah. get to play a whole lot. And, you know, rookies have the, the up and down year. So uh, I still think he'll, he'll come out better than, than not, but uh, he did not look good Monday night. No, this wasn't his game. And I, I, I just like to give you grief because I just want to whenever I can. And, yeah, I, and no, I'll take I, it because yeah. I, I in turn do the same. So <laughs> Indeed you do. And as, as we have said, if you can't, if you can't take it, don't dish it out. So, you know, and that's a fundamental rule across many avenues, not only in, uh, you know, sports trash talking, but uh, here we are. So, all right, so let's, uh, let's jump into some opening shots. Dustin, what, what do you got for me? You got some, uh, you got a good shot to, what, before we get going, what, what are you, are you drinking anything? Nah, not right now. No, I had You're some not actually uh, sparkling water. Anything? earlier all right uh, well yeah sure so but, how do you get uh, your sparkling water fill see so for me and you know uh, and uh 100 transparency we're filming this at a sort of an off time window for us and so for me it's like 10 30 at night over here in london and so uh i've moved on to, to tequila tequila with lime so by the end wow. of this show we have no idea what could happen because that's the beauty of tequila yeah that's uh, <laughs> that's 
a no, the reality crazy is crazy Wednesday night. <laughs> well, well, the reality is we're moving in two days, and so we're kind of like, you know, not really just trying to clean out the refrigerator, but we're not buying anything. And again, I, here we are, late at night in the evening. I wanted a little something to sip on in the evening, and frankly, a decent tequila with a little bit of a lime wedge is actually a pretty good sip. Um, most people tend to do tequila shots with like really cheap tequila and uh it's it can be bad ideas but if you get a decent tequila a little lime wedge in there a little bit of ice it's actually can be uh quite a pleasant uh uh, sipping experience so uh, that's where we are here in the uk but all right give me your opening shot dustin what do you got what do you got working this week so i've got a story of a high school football game that i thought was pretty impressive um, out of North Carolina. Okay. Um, final score was 106 to 83. <laughs> well, okay. So you, you went with a, I don't I even think you understand how hard it is. Right. You weren't expecting the 83. No, right. I, was, exactly. I was thinking 106 to seven or whatever. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. right. It is extremely hard. To score 106 points in a high school basketball game. Yeah. They did this in football. Wow. And what's crazy about it, so the, the North Carolina teams, <laughs> they combined for over 1,200 rushing yards. <laughs> right? And what's even crazier is only combined 400 through the air. Wow. Okay. Right. So it was basically just handoff touchdown is what it How many rushing like. yards? How many rushing yards? So one team alone, Pender, ran it 76 times <laughs> for 912 <laughs> rushing yards and 14 touchdowns. That's like... They took a play out of Belichick's and threw it twice the whole game. Wow. To me, the crazy thing about wow. that is, as most football people know, when you run the ball, the clock doesn't stop. Yeah. So, <laughs> unless you score every time. I mean, time, it's basically, well, right, but you're, you're running clock and still scoring 106 points or 80. I mean, that is just an unheard of amount of points, rushes, like whatever you want that to do. I mean, the running back for the team that had 912 rushing yards ran it 44 times for 377 yards and six touchdowns. Okay. While his teammate ran it and, or had 291 yards and for a, another six. So, that, I mean, this, that's crazy. It sounds like a video game. So, all right. So, it does. send Bo me. Bo Jackson. If, if you've got something, send me a link. I will post this on our social media because. This story, nine hundred rushing yards in a game—that's nine hundred and that's un—that's unfathomable. That's right, unbelievable. There, so it's wow. twelve yards per play. <laughs> that's the Miami Dolphins. Oh, that's right. Maybe not next yeah. week, but yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll get into that too. But that's to wow. me seeing that and seeing those stats was unheard of that's I mean, a, that that is that is fantastic 
I, and I, yeah. I did not hear that story. So thank you, sir, for bringing that to the D4 sports world and uh, down here. So let, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> if you were going to play at any college right now, college football, I mean, I mean, because that's football, because that's the only thing that really brings in the money. If you're playing at any college, what college are you playing for after this week's news? Any idea? Uh, no, I may not have been paying too close attention because I don't know where you're going with this. I'm just going to say Utah, the University of Utah. We've talked about NAL, right? Name, image, and, and likeness. Yeah, so yeah. the entire Utah Utes football team, 85 players, will soon receive a 2024 Dodge Ram 1500 Bighorn truck leased for them okay. for the year. All right. And, uh, you know, I am not much of a truck guy, but I'm still saying, look, if I can go and just play college football and I'm just going to get myself a brand new 2024 big old truck and drive it around, I'm going to go ahead and do that. And as we've talked about, they can't, of course, just, you know, give money, right? There has to be. So what do they have to do? Well, the truck has is a, uh, each truck will bear an ad for the streaming app for the Win360, uh, who is co-sponsor of the deal, um, that will allow them to then have the truck. And it says, to receive the truck, the players must agree to promote the Crimson Collective, which, of course, is the Utah University, University of Utah's collective uh, in order to help boost NIL opportunities. So they didn't just get a truck for being on the team, but they just got a truck for being on the team. Brand new truck, Dustin. That's a pretty good so deal. You, you asked me what team I would choose. And, okay. Uh, okay. So if you would have asked me last year, um, I would have told you Texas Tech. Oh, okay. Well, and you would Homer, probably. But, yeah. That's why you would say it, right? You would say, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Homer. But get this. Last year, 2022, uh, the entire Texas Tech team, each player got $25,000 in NIL <laughs> contracts. So they had what 85 they have to do players with with 15 walk-ons, so 100 players at 25000 apiece. They had over 100 donors. Um, and it's, uh, I mean, I'm sure they had to do certain things like sign stuff or, I don't know, radio. But, uh, yeah, it was from what's called the Matador Club, hmm. um, which is a local nonprofit. Um, so, yeah, $25,000 a player. Okay, so you're a college kid. You're 19 years old, say. You're starting college. 25 grand cash or a brand new Ram whatever big old truck? Me, I probably would have gone truck. Yeah, yeah. But 25,000 is in cash is That's a lot of I mean, money. Go get an old old clunker that can get you yeah. from A to B and yeah. have the rest, right? Yeah. NIL, baby. I mean, I don't even know. I mean, look, you know, we talked about it. We did it, you know, I don't know, a few shows back. And 
you know, it's NCAA, you know, college sports and particularly college football, it's hundreds of millions of dollars a year, if not, I don't even know. It might be a billion dollars a year in terms of revenue. It's such a huge sport. So on the one hand, I don't begrudge it, but it's just how long are we going to keep up this sort of nonsense of like we, we're not paying players to just show up? But because, I mean, we're giving you a truck. And what do you have to do? Be willing to advertise for us. And, oh, yeah, there's a, there's a decal on the side of your truck that advertises our sponsor. I mean, hmm. So there was a, a, a tech player basketball that did an NIL deal with a company here in Lubbock. Um, yeah. He had to he had to be in a commercial, you know, promote it. Yeah. Um, I don't think he had a line in the commercial. He was just in it. He was just <laughs> sitting at a, a table eating a steak. And yeah, that was <laughs> so a free dinner plus an NIL deal just to sit there. Yeah. And, you know, it it at some point needs to be more regulated than it is because I don't think uh, it's super regulated right now. And it's really just paying players to get to where you want. And so yeah. they're no longer amateurs. I mean, it, it is yeah. what it is, but it's, which it's I mean, I, again, I mean, you know, the rest of the world, we've talked about this a little bit, you know, in, in over here in the UK, there's no college sports, right. And in, and a lot of European athletes will go to the United States for college and to get into the, you know, professional leagues. Um, or, you know, if, if you're a, a soccer player, football over here, you know, you, you will get drafted and basically signed into the club as early as 12, 13 years old. And so, you know, by the time you're 18 years old, people realize, look, your future is in athletics and you're going to be get, And so you start getting paid salaries of professional athletics over here. Um, in the U.S., we want to, you know, you want to pretend that that's not the case. But I mean... What are these guys doing in college other than simply biding their time until they can get to either the NBA or, you know, or, or to the NFL? Baseball's a little different, right? They, you know, there's some guys who will come out and, uh, and but basketball's got the one and done rule, right? You can't go straight from high school anymore, right? You got to do at least one year in college. So it, there is a real sense where, I mean, it's just a pretense, to say that college sports is anything but preparation for professional sports. So you might as well pay them, but boy, this is just silly, isn't it? It is. It, it is crazy just to see the amount of money getting thrown at, at players just because you want your school to do well. Yeah. Well, uh, you got anything else? You got another opening shot for me? No, nah, I think I'll just leave it at that one. Um, I mean, I could go baseball. Um, yeah, well, to the Rangers with the sweep of the Orioles. I was going to – mine was Orioles, thanks for playing. Uh, right. Because – and, 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 and I, I don't want to spend too much time on this now. Maybe we'll get into this later. Maybe we won't. I mean, there's a whole other field out here. But, you know, there was, there was a guy on Twitter, or X, formerly Twitter, who went on ranting about how the playoff structure – has been a huge detriment to the teams that get the buy, right? The, the week off and people gave him all sorts of grief, basically, Oh man, step up and play better. But the Orioles got swept. The Dodgers had a break and they're not looking good. The Braves started slowly. I mean, maybe there's something, could to be this. something to it. Could yeah. be something and to then it. Kurt, 
Playoff Kershaw showed up. Oof. Well, man. And I, you Again, you said another time, but still, man. And, you know, and I got to be honest, Clayton Kershaw, ah, man, he is one of the most phenomenal pitchers I've ever seen pitch. You know, it, when, you, when you talk about sports, and you, in my lifetime, you know, the, 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 the players that I will turn into, tune into a game to just watch one guy, I mean, if I could watch him pitch, I would watch it every game. And now, look, Kershaw has suffered injuries. He's a few years past his prime, but he was good this year. He was really good. I think he was 13 and 5 with like a 2.87 ERA, which is crazy. He was he didn't he didn't he missed some time in the middle of the season so he didn't qualify for uh, you know for uh, you know all of the he didn't have enough innings to qualify for you know all the preseason the final rankings and stuff. He hadn't the Dodgers had not lost a game that he had pitched since like the middle of June or something. And I just, for as dominant as he has been and for as good as he is, and man, I, don't, I just don't know what it is. He gets to the postseason and it, I, I, I hurt for him as much as almost any player ever because, man, he has put up some phenomenal seasons and just been utterly dominant and then somehow gets to the playoffs and it just doesn't doesn't happen other side of the coin ah it's terrible all right we'll leave it there we'll leave it there for opening shots for episode number 11 of d4 sports That first quarter, you know, some teams approach. Well, I guess there's 17 games now, so it doesn't work so well. But, you know, there was the first four, second four, third four, fourth four kind of thing. You know, the quarters of the season. We're starting to see true colors come out. Dustin, give me your take on the NFL week five. Uh, there was a lot going on. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. First off, uh, your Bears. <laughs> My Bears. Babe. If I tell you you got to own Jordan Love, I got to own the Bears. Okay. You got to own the Bears. So they they won their game. Actually looked okay doing it too. Especially, you know, DJ Moore uh looked yeah. like he was on fire, uh, which he was. Justin Fields going to him basically every every pass play that he could. But why not when he makes the catch and scores touchdowns? Some some other games that we'll probably get into um to me, a really bad game was the uh, Ravens Steelers. Just a just a bad game in general. I mean, it even came down to basically the last four minutes, and it was bad. Pa- I mean, two minutes. Lamar Jackson throws an interception in his own end zone. They give up one yep. to Pickens. That there was so many things wrong in this game. It just was mm-hmm. an ugly game. Just ugly. Other games we, we can talk about. I mean, I didn't think it was going to be a great game going into it. And it wasn't pretty. But the Jets and the Broncos, mm. Jets did okay. Brees Hall yeah. had a great great game. Yeah, he uh, did. Yeah, he was Zach, good. Zach Wilson didn't lose it for him. But speaking of lose it for them, Russell Wilson. 
Goodness mm-hmm. gracious. That possession at the end when he fumbles it, man. And then Sean Payton just lays in. Worst coaching him. job. Worst coaching job, uh, you know, imaginable, right? I mean, mm-hmm. just just bad, just bad. But then there's some great, great games, great teams. I mean, I'm not uh, a Cowboys guy in Cowboys land, so I'm happy mm-hmm. when they, they don't win, and they looked awful against the 49ers, which I was, which I was well, okay with. The- now, let's face it. Micah Parsons said, right, oh, what happened on the field? doesn't really reflect in the score. We were a lot closer than, you know, than the score looks. Are you buying Micah Parsons' line there, or are you selling that? Brock Purdy had four touchdowns. No, I'm not uh, buying that How many all. times did Micah Parsons touch him? Exa- that, and, and it wasn't like... I, San Francisco's scheme is great. I mean, yes. they have a lot yes. of moving parts. Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel... Ayuk is great. George Kittle hadn't been been seen all year. And then this game has three touchdowns. They've got so many pieces in place. But Purdy is still a young, young quarterback that has to make those decisions within two seconds. And he did that. Some of his throws were beautiful, on point, not even close to being threatened by the defense. So what Micah Parsons is saying, and I get that Dallas's defense is really good, but they looked terrible against the Niners. Well, yeah, and and I would say, you know, I mean, you know, I'm I'm on record going back early in this podcast saying that you know Brock Purdy was one of my big, my big question marks of the season, right? Because, I mean, yeah, he played really well at the end of last season, but it was a handful of games. He's got a lot of tools around him, but boy, yeah, Purdy. Purdy looks like the real deal. I mean, he's he's making... Now, I will say this much about the 49ers. And I don't know how, especially given the miss on the Trey Lance pick, right? And as much as they gave up for the Trey Lance pick, they have been able to assemble a roster that is just... I mean, they have arguably the best offensive line, the best linebacking core, a top flight receiving core and oh by the way Christian McCaffrey and maybe they just hit the lottery with Brock Purdy or maybe they you know saw something that nobody else did I mean literally everyone passed on him seven times right but that that team is stacked that 49ers team they are across the board they have they have some of the best players at literally every position level on that team and I don't – I'm not going to predict that they're going to undefeat it because obviously you have to go back to the 72 Dolphins. And in the regular season, I mean, you got the, you know, the 2000, uh, 2005 Patriots, 6, 6, 5, 6. I should know that. Wow. 7, 2007 Patriots. What, what's, what's the matter with me? <laughs> it's the tequila. That's what's the matter with me. <laughs> but, you know, but boy, they, they do look – Great and Purdy is ticking all the boxes. You know, I want to go back also to what you said. I I don't know what the Bears did, but suddenly their offensive line decided to block, and Fields had a pocket to throw from, which he hasn't really had all year, and somehow they developed a pass rush in this game, in, in their last game. And I I was watching the Bears going, this is this is not the same team 
that we have seen the first four weeks. So I don't know what they did, but I sure as heck hope the Patriots can find some of that. I'll just have to say that much. Well, the the, the pass, rush, pass rush was definitely there, and he did have yep. time. Justin Fields did, but he was still 15 of 29, which is not great numbers. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that, that yeah. That's a little dodgy. Yeah, okay. And In modern 15, NFL standards, that's low. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 15 of his passes or completions, I mean, eight of his completions went to DJ Moore for 230 yards. Yeah. So, so... He had 282 passing yards. DJ Moore had 230. (laughs) So his other seven passes went for 52 yards. Yeah. Yeah. So you take DJ Moore, DJ Moore out of the equation. And I mean, the commanders have, you know, played comfortably, but that's, that's why you play the game, right? That's, I mean, you, you still have to, to go out there and do it. You got to stop DJ Moore and they didn't. Um, Yeah. So I don't know. There's, well, yeah, I mean, so I was thinking about this, you know, that this week in the, you know, in uh, in terms of D4, right? Neat or on the rocks, right? Who's looking neat and who's on the rocks? And I got uh, on the neat section, nice and clean, easy drinking. You want to sit and sip it all day. I got the Niners, obviously. I got the Eagles, and I know Philadelphia has not... They haven't had convincing wins. They haven't looked polished all the time. But I think the Eagles, I mean, look, they're 5 and 0, right? They're going to they're looking good. The, the the Lions? I think I think the Lions are easy to sip at this point, right? They're I'm telling you, Aiden Hutchinson right now. I I watch a lot of NFL football. I don't see every game anymore because of some of the time frames of some of them, but I still see the vast majority of them. Aiden Hutchinson, man, that guy, that guy is disruptive. That I mean, he is the next, you know, J.J. Watt, T.J. Watt, <laughs> Aaron Donald. He is disruptive. That he is phenomenal. Um, the Lions. I'm also, I mean, well, the the Jaguars. Going back to the Lions. Go ahead. Go, yeah, going back yeah, to yeah, the yeah. To, to the Lions. David Montgomery. Um, oh. He wasn't bad. He was not bad in Chicago. Nope. But he yep. is playing better with Detroit than he was even coming close to in Chicago, in my opinion. Well, I mean, and, they're giving you know him, why? They're giving him the ball. They're, I mean, they're trusting they in got him. the offensive line. Right. Yep. And yep. he was a goal line guy in Chicago, too, because he's a, he's a mm-hmm. big back. But yep. in, in Detroit, I mean, he's he has done very, very well. And so... They, they have a passing game, too, and so if they can incorporate the run game to go along with St. Brown yeah. and Laporta and Reynolds, they're, they're going to be good. Yeah. No, well, and everybody was all talking about Jameer Gibbs, right? Everybody was up all on fire about Jameer Gibbs. And, you know, it's interesting because quarterbacks, although we have seen several quarterbacks thrown into the starting, you know, into starting this year, and for the most part, they're doing pretty well, you know, all in all. Your rookie quarterbacks this year, I think, have done right. pretty well. And I but wanted to bring that up, too, yep. with the young quarterbacks. Yep. And I know well, you're going to go into let, the historical part of it. Let's, let's get there in a minute. Let's get there. Let, okay. me, let me tell that for a minute. Because typically, the, the, oftentimes the plan has been sit your quarterbacks for a year, right? Let them get a year or two of experience. Let them learn the game. And then, then work them in. 
Other positions, that's generally not the case. But I honestly think, you know, I mean, we'll see what the proof is in the pudding, so to speak, in the long term. Is Jameer Gibbs going to benefit from not being pressured into having, you know, like, he's not Bijan Robinson, right, who's really carrying the load in Atlanta, right? But with the fact that David Montgomery is able to deliver what he's delivering, and then Jameer Gibbs comes in as a compliment to that, letting him learn the game, I wonder if there's not some real benefit to that. You know, and, and I know, I, obviously, that has not been the approach of coaches and general managers in the, in the league. But, yeah, no, Detroit, I'm telling you, I, and I, even, again, like I said earlier, I'm not really one of the usually, one of the guys that get on the Vogue pick, right? You know, because typically the guy, the team that gets all, like, look, look at the Jets, right? Got all the attention and the wheels fell off for, for a whole variety of reasons. But, yeah, boy, the Lions, man. Easy sipping, looking good. Um, Chiefs, Dolphins, Dolphins, just fast. Just fast. It'll be interesting fast. to see how they do the next couple of weeks with a chain out. But Mostert's yep. still a good running back. He's had a good year. And then you, you've yep. got your receiving core that's just ridiculous right now. But uh, a chain has uh, been... Yeah, a, a good surprise for them. And talking about not having to worry about sitting a back, I mean, with Mostert there, they're able to to go back and forth. And with him being hurt now, um, yeah, you know they can they can lean on Mostert. But it's nice to be able to have a complimentary back, get a huge run game going, and then play action. And boom, who do you have? You've got Waddle and Hill, who yeah are just really good route runners with speed. That can catch. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, Miami's defense has been solid. And if their defense holds up, boy, I mean, it's just going to end up, it's going to come down to execution. If that Miami offense is executing on the day you're playing them, you're in trouble. I, I don't care how good your defense is. Because with Hill and Waddle and Mostert and a chain, and they're going to get Jeff Wilson Jr. back, who I think is a really underrated player, and I think is a very, very solid and also fast player my goodness i mean that team there are so many weapons so many weapons let me go to on the rocks and i'm going to do on the rocks coaches edition right we had neat and on the rocks on the rocks i mean i what do you think about belichick is belichick on the rocks i don't i mean it's hard to put belichick on the rocks due to the fact yeah. that he's uh, Belichick. He's Belichick. Yeah. But um, let me, uh, do you know who Joe Philbin is? Mm, I know the name. I can't, I can't place him. A, a former Miami Dolphins coach. Well, okay. Who, yeah. you no, know, who was not good. He yeah, was, yeah, he, yeah, okay. Joe Philbin has a better win percentage without Tom Brady than Bill Belichick does. Okay. So, no, I say that tongue-in-cheek uh, because Brady is such a good player. I mean, I, yeah, I'll yeah. say that on the record. Um, and Belichick really, let's be honest, one of the greatest coaches of all time. But this year, I mean, they are struggling. Um, yeah. And that may be an understatement, but I mean to go at home against the Saints, 
to lay a goose egg and let let the Saints drop thirty four on them. That's not a yeah, good. I, I mean, a good look. Yeah, I'm. I mean, look, and again, I'm a Patriots fan. I, I can't even tell you that. And look, nobody feels bad for Patriots fans because we have had it good for two decades. And fair enough, right? Uh, but my goodness, it, if the Dolphins came in and beat us 34 to nothing with that offense, we'd be like, oh, okay, right? But the Saints, the Saints even. They hadn't even scored more than like twenty points in a game. I don't think coming into this coming into this game, and yeah, it's it's rock bottom. I, and and I, you know, I there's a lot of people saying, oh, but it's all Brady. I mean, the, the bottom line is, no coach without a good quarterback has a good record. I mean, it's just the bottom. I mean, as much as whatever you want to say about the NFL, the quarterback touches the ball every play. He makes the decision. In the modern NFL, he's half the time he's calling the plays. I mean, you know, the, if you don't have a good quarterback, you're not going to win. So I don't really look at this as saying Belichick can't coach. Oh, it's all Brady, right? Because, frankly, the first year without Brady, they did make the playoffs. They were all, with Mac Jones. They were all right, right? The last, last year and this year, yeah, it's, I mean, it's rough. I mean, their defense is – is still good. I mean, they've lost their two best defensive players, the Patriots, but you know, I mean, he bears responsibility because he's the GM. So if you don't put the team together, right. If you don't put the team together, that's the GM's job is to get the players and the personnel. So is he on the hot seat? I mean, (sighs) would Miami have ever fired Don Shula or would, would the 49ers have ever fired Bill Walsh? Right. Right. No. Probably not, right? But I mean, it's not good right now. It's not good. No, let me and let me give you some, you know, reference points. The Saints week one beat the Titans by one, sixteen to fifteen. The mm-hmm. Saints beat the Panthers by three, twenty to seventeen. Yep. The Packers beat the Saints, eighteen to seventeen. The Bucks mm-hmm. beat the Saints. The Saints scored nine, and then they go in, and thirty-four to nothing. Thirty-four. 34. Yeah. Well, well and let, let, let's let, even look back. So I want to say something about the coaching thing because there yeah. are teams that will hang on no matter what, right? Let's let's look at Cincinnati. How Forever. long oh, that, was... That's exactly what I was going to say. Well, Marvin yeah. Lewis. Oh, Marvin Lewis. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Marvin Lewis. Absolutely. Marvin Lewis was there and, and they had some decent years. They got to the playoffs, but they could never... Win and that was the thing against Marvin Lewis is well he just yep. can't win those games, but they held on and they kept holding on and so there are well, those teams that will do that, and Belichick has proven himself. Yes, it was mostly with Tom Brady, but I don't think well, two years of yeah. of, uh, of this that they're gonna go. Yeah, you're done. Not yet. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know because I mean. But the NFL has changed in the last 20 years, right? And, and I mean, to be fair, I mean, Brady, when Brady started, those first few years, I mean, you look at stats, Brady was not a stats quarterback, right? I mean, Brady did not turn into a monster passer until the 2007 season when he throws 50 touchdowns, right? They get Randy Moss and Welker, 
And they, frankly, they get Josh McDaniels as offensive coordinator, and he comes in and transforms the offense. And Brady, mature, you know, he, he figures it out. He stays in the league five, six years, and he turns into the quarterback that he ultimately becomes. And then, you know, I mean, and he just personally, I mean, who looks better at 40 than they do at 20? Well, Tom Brady, <laughs> you know, right, is example 1A. Right of the guy that actually like took better care of himself physically later in his career than early in his career and sort of turned that whole thing on his head. But um, yeah, no, I, there's there's a real there's a real benefit to continuity in coaching, right? I mean, there's there's a reason that the worst teams in the NFL continually turn over their head coaches. I mean, the Houston Texans, right? I mean, who just have new coach every single year, you know, or the Carolina Panthers of late, or you know, name the bottom feeding teams and they turn over their coach every year, every two years. And it's the teams that are willing to stick with a guy who, yeah, you know, you don't win every game. You don't win every, every season's not a Super Bowl season. But I don't know. I mean, I just, it feels different with Belichick. It feels different because it's like he's, there's so much expected of him and you just start asking the question, is it just, is, is it just time for him to move on, right? I mean, is it, is it just the end? I don't know. I don't know. Well, let's take, let's take Garoppolo, okay? Mm-hmm. His, his years in New England as a starting quarterback was 14-3. Mm-hmm. and three. Yep. That's a pretty good record, right? I mean, yep. any yep. team in the NFL would take that <laughs> in a 17-game yeah. season. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. Garoppolo's record outside of New England is twenty-eight and sixteen. Still a winning record. Still pretty good. So overall, yeah. overall, it looks good because he's forty-two and nineteen. But yeah. fourteen of those wins come as a New England starter when Brady's hurt. Yeah, yeah. So that's a testament to coaching as well. And yeah. I mean, yes, the Patriots were great. Let's for for many many yeah. years. Uh, so. Um, I, yeah, just, I, don't I just found that found that interesting. Let me let me give you one more stat um, on the Patriots. Uh, <clears throat> this year, the Giants, the New York Giants, have not scored a touchdown in their last twenty-five offensive possessions. Twenty-five, twenty-five straight offensive possessions without a touchdown. The New England Patriots, thirty-four. 34 possessions without an offensive touchdown. That's... Millwall-esque. Ooh. Whoa. You went there. Yeah. yeah. You went no there. offense. No offense. No offense. All right. You, anything else you want to share on the, on the NFL for this week? Uh, we've covered quite a bit of it. Um, I think one thing that was a little bit surprising to me, and I'm just going to you know, be quick about it, is we've said how much Miami is a great team and how they're going to be really tough to beat. Well, last week, I mean, they got beat by the Bills pretty bad. They looked like a lesser team, to be honest. But then the Bills mm-hmm. go to London and play the Jaguars and lose. So, I, you know, it, it's just going to be interesting to see how things play out over the next few weeks and where teams are going to land. I think right now the best team in the NFL is, is San Francisco. They just – their defense is stout. Their offense looks good. They're going to be tough to beat. 
Yeah, well, and you know, and and one of you know the the old mantra in the NFL, and this goes back generations, is any given Sunday, right? Any given Sunday, any team can beat any team in the NFL, and and there's there's a lot of truth to that, um, you know, and obviously the great teams find their ways to win when they don't have their A game, but this is the one thing that you come back to. You look at San Francisco and you look at how good they look this year, but you're like, you know what? I mean, look at Miami. They put 70 out there on Denver. 70. I mean, that's against an NFL defense. Against you can an be NFL a bad defense. defense. You couldn't, you shouldn't be that bad. 70 points. And then the next week they come out and they lose and they look pedestrian. And you're like, well, I don't know. And, that's the thing. I mean, that, that's the beauty of the NFL, right? Is it's that it's one game. You have to play those 60 minutes every time. I do have one other, I do have one other tidbit from the NFL. And, and this was, and, I know, and, and I've seen a couple of reports on this, but Laporta, right? The, Frank Laporta, I think is his name, right? The, the rookie tight end for Detroit. Detroit runs this really cool reverse touch reverse pass flea flicker kind of thing right Goff gets the ball turns around hands it to his running back his running back flips it to the receiver the receiver flips it back to Goff Goff hits Laporta on a wheel route touchdown eight hours later the 49ers run exactly the same play exactly the same play to George Kittle touchdown and I went back and I was watching the highlights and the only difference is that in I, I think it was in Detroit he handed it off, and in and in and in San Francisco he actually pitched it to the running back. But it's it's literally the exact same play, um, which was frankly just beautiful, um, beautiful tight end getting that reverse pass, little trickeration uh, to the touchdown. And uh, you know I, I love innovation in the NFL. I love seeing new things. It's really really rare to see two teams do the exact same thing on the exact same day and have the exact same result, a beautiful touchdown pass that breaks up in the game. So Sam, Sam Laporta, Sam Laporta. Oh, Frank. I don't know. Close. Frank feels Close. like a, Frank feels like a Detroit name, you know? And, and I don't know. And one thing I'm going to point out with the, with the NFL that we will, we can get into a little bit next week is the Nichols bowl that is going to be played this week with the wow. Patriots playing the Raiders. So we got Nick oh. for Stewart. We got the Nichols Bowl. I wish, I really wish I felt better about that heading into this game. But Isn't that crazy to say as a Patriots fan that you kind of are fearing the <sighs> McDaniel Raiders? <laughs> Give me the tuck rule, baby. Bring back the tuck rule. Yep. Bring back the tuck rule for D4 Sports. That's all I'm saying. All right, we're bringing back a segment we introduced last week. This is the D4 Top 4. And Dustin and I were chatting during the week, and we are thinking, you know what? Let's go with Top 4 Sporting Events We Have Witnessed in Our Lifetimes. And... I don't know about you, Dustin, but I started digging into this, and boy, this gets tough. This gets tough. There's a lot of good sports out there. There, It does get tough, and 
and it's not just the the big sports. Right. I mean, I'm gonna to, to to be honest, some of the best sporting events I've seen, Michael Phelps. I mean, oh, sure. What, I didn't even what have he him, did. But yeah. Right. And and honestly, yeah. I didn't even think about him till we just started talking about this. And, yeah. and and he just popped into my head. I mean, he there are so many things out there that you can bring to the table with this. To to pick four is tough, but I I think I've got mine my top four, oh. and I think you'll like them. Okay, all right. But, but before we do that, give me let's just sprinkle in a couple of honorable mentions, right? A couple of those that you were like thinking this was in the running, but didn't make the didn't make the top four. Give me a couple of honorable to, mentions. To be honest, an honorable mention is gonna be the Patriots Falcons Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah. And 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 we have talked about that a lot over the years. Yeah, we have. Yeah. To do what they did was phenomenal. And I'm not a Patriots mm-hmm. guy by any yep. means. Um but man, I mean the Heck Falcons choked. Patriots did what they had to do to be a part of watching that was yep. just impressive. And yep. so that that to me would be an honorable mention. Uh, another honorable mention that I didn't put in here um, would be in 98. Um, I got to go to the final four uh, with oh, my dad. Nice. And so okay. that would probably be number five if we had a top five. Um, sure, sure, sure. But it was North Carolina, Utah, Stanford, and Kentucky. Um, got mm. to see Vince Carter, Antoine Jameson, Mad Dog Madsen, uh, Keith Van Horn for Utah, uh, Tubby Smith with Kentucky. I mean, it was it was a good good college uh, basketball tournament for sure. Yeah. What yeah, about you? See, what what would I, you put down? Yeah. So I mean, I haven't been to a lot of. I mean, I have not attended a ton of like big time sporting events. But in terms of stuff that I watched and and uh, memories, um, I, you know, one of the ones that really sticks out to me is Michael Johnson in the Olympics in 1996. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you were, you were probably just starting to get old enough, but holy smokes, Michael Johnson with those gold shoes in the Olympics in Atlanta in 96, that performance in the 200 meters, that was a world record for a long time. Um, and I, I, you know, that's one of those that, that I remember. I, uh, Christian Leitner's, the, the Leitner shot. Right in the in the final four, you know, a Duke over Kentucky, that was a phenomenal moment, you know, in 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 just sporting history. And and the other one that I uh, that I have in in is uh, well, I got two others. You know, one is Tiger's chip in on sixteen in the two thousand five Masters, right? And and I remember that one because I was here in Wales. And I was sitting alone in Wales and watching the coverage. And to be honest, the coverage in the UK was substantially better than the US. It was like literally all day long. And I just watched it. And I'll, you know, that shot where he chips it in and the ball and the Nike logo hanging on the rim of the cup as the ball drops in. Uh, phenomenal. And that one, and, and I actually live saw the play, the Cal Stanford play. Right, the band is on the field, you know, with that the 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 play, which um, I I do remember watching, going, what in the world is going on, you know, and uh, 
So those are a few for me that are like some of those like outstanding sports moments that, I mean, but but they didn't make the top four. So, well, I've got a moment that right. was a sports moment that didn't actually happen. Oh, so okay, all right, 1980, 1989 World Series. Oh, 5:04 p.m. Yep, Giants versus the A's. Both me and you living in the Bay Area. Get mm-hmm. to experience the earthquake of a lifetime. Absolutely, um, you got you had that Bay Area earthquake. Was a seven point two on the Richter scale, right before the big. World Series was about to to take the first pitch, and then obviously for a huge reason, they they decided not to play the game. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess that's, no, that's a sports a moment one. that did not actually take place. And so just to be a yeah. part of that and remember that. Um, and it was just a huge event for me as a kid. And I'm sure for you, um, just memory-wise, that you, it will stick yeah. with you forever. Yeah. Yeah, and I was a senior in high school. I remember exactly where I was. And, yeah, I remember, man, we ran to the doorway and watched the house shake for 45 seconds. That was that was crazy. Yeah. So uh, so I'm going to go. And, and, and you, you, you actually took my, my number four was Super Bowl 51. 2017, the 28-3 comeback. And uh, so, I, I, you know, for the last, when I was in the U.S. for the last, I don't know, seven, eight, ten years or so, I'd hosted a Super Bowl party. And I was having a Super Bowl party that year. Patriots fan, you know, you come out. The Falcons are just on fire. Devontae Freeman uh, and, uh, uh, oh, geez, she was 20, number 26. Tevin Coleman, right, just running all over the field, wide open. Julio Jones making great catches. 14 nothing. they get up. The Falcon, the Brady finally drives down in the second quarter, throws that pick six. They go down 21 nothing. And at that point, sitting amidst a handful of kids ages 13 and under, I uttered a pretty substantial profanity and walked out of the room. <laughs> and I was just like, and, I, and, and you know what? I walked out and I was like, all right, I'm just going to make peace. I'm hosting a Super Bowl party. My team's going to lose. It's going to be okay. And then the comeback. And I will say this much, and I think this is the one major underlooked factor of that entire game. The second quarter, Patriots had the ball. They ran this like that that like 10-11 play drive to come down, and then Brady throws the pick six, right? So they come back, and then they they drive down the field again. They run another 12-play drive, and they only get a field goal. So they go into the first half down 21-3, but they had run 45 plays in the first half. And I, I, I might have even texted you on this, but I was talking to people at my party. I'm like, you know, the only thing I'm going to say is this. We ran 45 plays in the first half. And if you look at the statistics in the NFL, once you get above 70 plays, the yards per play goes through the roof in the NFL. And... What happened in the second half of that and the fourth quarter of that game? The Falcons' defense, they just, they were They're done. Gassed. They, yeah. they had no more. And the old, I mean, obviously there was a huge plays in that game, and I won't talk any more about it. But, but yeah, but yeah, no, that that twenty-three game. I mean, as a Patriots fan, I can't, I can't not put that in my top four. All right. What all else right. you got? So, so for my number four, um, I wanted to put this as my last, but I, I can't put it number one. Um, my number four happened in February 
It was uh, February 3rd, 2008. Okay. Patriots, Giants in the Super Bowl. Mm. Another Super Bowl game. Why are you doing this to me? (laughs) I'm doing this to you because you're such a Patriots fan and I'm such a, 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 you know, hater because of that. Uh, Patriots go undefeated. Complete. I mean, that this was their year. This was their year. It's actually, um, it's it's a it's a battle. I mean, they're they're going back and forth. Uh, Patriots have the lead, seven three, going into halftime. Third quarter, nobody scores, so it's extremely low scoring game. But you're you're sitting here thinking, man, you've got the undefeated Patriots. I mean, they're just you got Tom Brady. You're just gonna do it. Yeah. Yep. The Giants. They're, oh, we got to do something. We got to do something. Eli Manning takes the ball, drops back, chunks the ball to Tyree, David Tyree. Guy, I mean, it wasn't even. David Tyree. I, I don't know how to explain it to somebody that didn't see it. And uh, the, the, it is termed the helmet catch. And the reason yeah. it is termed the helmet catch is because he was heavily defended. He yeah. jumped probably as high as he possibly could. He high-pointed the ball. He got the ball. He didn't have an amazing grip on it either, especially with the defense on him. But he had it enough to pin it against his helmet and yeah. come down with the catch. Yeah. And he doesn't catch this. What happens, Nick? They don't win the game. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this catch—it wasn't fourth down; it was third down. It was right, it was third and ten, I think. But yeah, anyway. Right. Yeah. But I mean, ultimately, this is what changed the game. I mean, this is what turned it on its. Oh helmet. yeah, it would, no, but, it was no, one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, that that's number four. You're welcome. It hurts. You're yeah. Welcome. No, thank you for that. And frankly, the fact that I mean, as much as Eli Manning, I think is for the vast majority of his career is a eh, slightly above average quarterback. I mean, how he didn't get sacked on that play. Anyway, we're gonna move on. But all right, so I'll, my number three. I'll jump. Yeah, I'll jump number three. We'll just we'll we'll snake this. We'll go. We'll, right, we'll yeah, do it yeah, that yeah, way. Right. So ahead. yeah, yeah, you're good. Yeah. So my number three is we're gonna stick with football, but we're gonna go to college. Um, it's 2008. I'm a season ticket holder, Texas Tech. Right. Mm. <laughs> Man, it is. Tech has a squad. I mean, we're excited about this. Texas is coming into town. It's a night game. Um, it is, man, it is loud. It is, I mean, everybody is going nuts. We're losing to Texas. And we get last play of the game. Well, almost last play of the game. It's it, you, you've, you still have to kick off afterwards, but... It's it's Graham Harrell to Crabtree. Crabtree tiptoes the sideline. Gets in the end. I mean, you can if you watch it again in slow-mo, Crabtree tiptoes the sideline and runs past Chris Fowler, who is on the sideline as the reporter. It's a great, it's a great picture. Crabtree runs into the end zone. Tech takes the lead. The Funny thing about this is, I mean, I don't, if you were watching this at 
home, you don't get the feel that you had in the stadium that night because it erupted. And one, because it was a huge game. Two, it was Texas. And three, it was basically the last play of the game to take the lead, right? They storm the field. And they still have like seven seconds left in the game, maybe a little bit less. Yep. Yeah, they yeah. storm the field. Well, they got to get everybody back in the stands. They throw a flag. That's 15-yard penalty on the kickoff. But they have to review the play. So they review the play. Say They come back on. You have the referee. He comes back to the microphone and says, call stands, touchdown. Students storm the field again. <laughs> the double field storm. The double field storm. Nice. Got to get everybody back into the stands. Another flag. You've got a 30-yard penalty going into a kickoff. <laughs> Still yeah. with a play left wow. to go. Yeah. Yeah. So now the actual fans that know how the game is played, not right. just the student that's there because everybody else is there, you're kicking we're sitting off there the going, five or what? <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. We're just going, oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. This isn't good. This isn't good. Well, I mean, it ended up tech winning, but just to be a part of that was fantastic. Yeah. I was 100% wondering to myself, as we talked about this this segment, if you were going to go the Crabtree game. Because, and I did. Because it, I remember that game. I mean, it's fantastic. It, it, that's, a, that's a classic one. I'm going to go... Boy, and I've got so many listed here, and I've got so many we're not going to talk, but I'm going to go for my number three. I'm going to go the Doug Flutie game. The Doug Flutie game. And I don't know if you're, you're old enough to remember this, but this is this is 1984. Uh, and I mean, and, I was born it, in 83, it, but yeah. I know replays. Well, but this, well let me see. I have to double check. I mean, I've got an 84 for another date. It might have been a couple years later than that. Anyway. This game is so is, is completely famous for Doug Flutie from Boston College throwing the Hail Mary to Gerard Phelan, who catches the ball in the end zone to win the game over, over Miami, right? And Bernie Kosar is Miami, right? And, 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 and what I remember about this game, well, so first of all, most people don't remember that the entire second half of this game is back and forth, touchdown after touchdown after touchdown, with Flutie and Kozar just going crazy. The final score of this game is 45-42, to 42, I believe is the final score. So, I mean, they were just... And it wasn't like a, a college overtime game where you get like three overtimes and everybody's scoring touchdowns. It was back and forth. It was the day after Thanksgiving. I'm watching it with my brother at my dad's house. Uh, he had a big screen. He had this old pro- projection big screen. And we're watching this game. The entire game was just phenomenal back and forth. But that play, man, I mean, that play has, in the modern sports memory, that play has faded a little bit. But that play led to Doug Flutie's career. I mean, Doug Flutie was going to be a kind of a nobody. But Flutie goes on to become, you know, a significant player, not only in the NFL, but you know, in, in, throughout college football, and, and that game, that game, one of my one of my most in, in dear, enduring sports memories from my childhood. So I'm going to go with the Flutie game, and and then my number my number two as we're snaking here is going to be Game Six 
of the 2011 World Series. And, oh, you just gave me the Cobra. I think I stole yours. You stole my number two. Oh, uh, I stole, well. It, go and, ahead, and, and I'll get I'll give a different story of of well, it's the same game, same everything, but I'll tell you how mine ends versus how yours ends. It's going to be different. Yeah. Well, and so I was living in St. Louis, right? So, you know, and the Cardinals, the 2011 Cardinals, and I'll never forget, (laughs) I was standing in the bathroom, going to the bathroom, standing at the urinal with a guy next to me who was like our baseball coach at our school where I was teaching. And it was the day before Labor Day or the day after Labor Day. And I'm like, and Cardinals are done. And he's like, oh, you know, season's not over. I'm like, yeah, okay, man, whatever. And for anybody who remembers the 2011 Cardinals, I don't know what they're I, – I haven't gone back and checked. But on Labor Day, they were, I don't know, eight, nine, ten games out of first place, out of the playoffs. They go on a tear. They absolutely erupt. They, they make the playoffs. But – and then they eventually get to the World Series. The 2011 World Series – What's his name, Dustin? Who's the hero? David Freeze, man. David Freeze. I even made a comment. I even made a comment to my buddy today who is a diehard Rangers fan. I sent him a text and I said, hey, does David Freeze play for the Astros or the Twins? Asking for a friend. Because the winner (laughs) of that series plays the Rangers this next go around. David Freeze went to high school in St. Louis. Hadn't had much of a career to this point. I mean, holy smokes. The 2011 Game 6 of the World Series. My wife watches playoff baseball. That's about the only sport she ever watches. And I remember we'd walked upstairs. The game was basically over. I don't, I, I, and I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't gone back and I didn't look it up. I, I mean, I, I remember they're coming to the bottom of the ninth inning. Cardinals are losing. I go, I'm sitting on the bed, freeze hits the home run, and I'm like, oh my gosh, crazy. This doesn't happen, right? Doesn't happen. And, and, and then I'll let you take it. I'll let you take it, Dustin. Go ahead. Well, so you go into extra innings. He hits the go home run. Go into extra innings. Go Tie, into extra innings. He ties the game up, yep. Ties the game up. Go into extra innings and... You get into the eleventh, mm-hmm. and was it Nelson Cruz hits a a home run, a two run home run? I believe that's to correct. Go up, yep, to go up six four. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you when you go up in extra innings, I mean, you want to talk about uh, right, and you want to talk about pressure on the other team. Uh, there's a lot, right? And it's the World Series as well, so it's. And it's an elimination game. It, there's there's so many things that factor into this. And you get you get to the bottom of the eleventh, and you have the hometown kid coming back up. And I'm interested to know your part of this story, and I'll get to mine later because it's gonna I, like I said it's gonna be different. So I'll let you finish this off, and then I'll give you my my story. Well, yeah. So I mean, when he hits the. Well, he hits the home run in the ninth, 
right? And I, I, I believe he had a home run. Maybe it was double, but I, I, I'm thinking back. But he has the game win, the, the game tying shot in the in the ninth, and I'm just like, wow, right? This is crazy to my wife. And of course, then we sit there and we watch it again. And you're right, Cruz hits the home run. They go up two, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, no way this happens again. No way this happens again. Freeze comes up, and he does it again. And I'm just like, and Karen, my wife's like, wow. And I'm like, no, not just wow. I'm like, this, this never this, happens. This doesn't happen. This like, never happens. I, I remember standing, and I'm not even a big Cardinal fan, and I'm just like, no, this never happens. Never happens. <laughs> what? Go ahead and give it to me. What do you got? Have you got anything more than that? I mean, it never happens. It doesn't it happen. Never and and because it doesn't happen, me being a huge Cardinals fan, we're losing. Yep. Going into the ninth. You didn't turn I am it off. So I am oh. so frustrated. I am I can't believe I've never told you this. I am living. So mad. I'm like, we're down. We have no shot at this. Because I know who's coming to... I mean, I just... I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to bed. I turn it off in the night. Oh, no. I... Yep. I I go to bed. I'm hurting for you right now. (laughs) I went to bed. I woke up the next morning and checked my ESPN app. And Mm. I saw that we had won, and I just went, crap. (laughs) I can't believe, I can't believe I missed that. I, yeah. And, you know, being a fan, you got to watch them all the way through, right? Well, I didn't because I was so mad. I mean, you with the Patriots, you watched the second half of them against the Falcons. I went to bed. I missed it. Wow. Wow! I, so my I number. That's why I can't put it that, first. But I forgot. Yeah, go I ahead. can't put it first because I missed it. But I watched the replay over and over and over. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was just something that it. I mean, it was a huge thing, especially for the Cardinals. But I was so mad going into the ninth. Mm. I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I just turned it off and went to bed. Wow. And woke up and I was like, oh, man. I was excited. Well, I'll tell you this. I stayed up for all of Game 7. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you did. Which they won, thankfully. Which they won. So they won. There you go. So, yeah. Yeah. That. So, our number two is actually the same. Yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna go real quickly to my number one all time. It's it's not a it's not a memorable game for anybody but probably me. Um, March 14th, 1995. Um, it was okay. the uh, the Phoenix Suns versus the Detroit Pistons. Hmm. Um, Pistons were 23 and 39, so not a huge game, right? The the Suns were 47 and, and 16. The reason it was a memorable game for me is I was in sixth grade and I ended up getting to go to this game. Um, First NBA game I've ever been to. I'm in sixth grade. I give Dan Marley a high five. So from that, yep, Thunder Dan, baby. From that point on, I am a diehard Suns fan 
And that was what springboarded me into falling in love with the game of basketball was that game right there. Oh, and then, man. Well, I can't so, compete with that. You're welcome. I mean, yeah, no, thanks for And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's mean, an unknown game to, to, to basically anybody. But for me, that was yeah, yeah, the game, yeah. like I said, that just put me on a trajectory to, to, to continue to play as much as long as I was able to. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I got, so, I mean, written down, I've got a couple of other things that are like major memories. The Oklahoma Boise State Fiesta Bowl in 2007, uh, which is arguably one of the most phenomenal football games ever played. Certainly the ending is just fantastic. And then I got, as a, as a longtime Red Sox fan, obviously the 2004 comeback, particularly game four, Big Poppy's heroics, you know, the getting to Mariano Rivera and after going down three nothing and come back winning four straight against the Yankees, you know. But that's not a single event, so I'm kind of disqualifying that. I gotta go. I still think the number one sporting event, if I had to pick one out of everything that stands up my memory, it's the two thousand five Rose Bowl. It's the USC versus Texas. It's the Vince Young game. It's the Reggie Bush game. It's the Matt Leinart. It's the unstoppable USC against Texas and, and Vince Young. And, and, and what this game, the thing that's, I mean, a few things to come in mind, right? Number one, Reggie Bush's fumble early in the game that totally changes the shape of the game. And and totally, you know, whereas USC was going to control the game and, and Reggie Bush and the USC offense was going to show off and flash everything, and it suddenly looked vulnerable. And then it was Vince Young scrambling, the pocket breaks down, and I just sit back and I think to myself, <clears throat> Texas couldn't execute their offense in this game. And that's why they won. And they won because... They ran these plays. They try to execute their offense. It breaks down. Vince Young scrambles, and he runs, and he scores. And that's the winning play. I mean, that, that, that winning image of Vince Young scrambling into the end zone for the clutch final game-winning game, or game-winning score is just, I mean, it's peak college football. It's, 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 it's just, it's spectacle. It's, you know, talent versus talent. It's offensive shootout. It's, it's everything you want in, you know, in sports. It's, uh, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a fantastic game. And I just got to say, I, I think, I think of in my lifetime, um, I, I think that's the single greatest sporting event, top to bottom, that I've witnessed. Now, I got a lot of others. I mean, you know, I, I've mentioned several of them. I mean, and boy, I mean, I, I, you go back to Kirk Gibson's home run, you know, him limping up to the plate and hitting that home run. You get, you know, do you believe in miracles, right? You get the miracle on ice. You get so many of these things that are, are great moments within a sports game. But when I think of, of, of the greatest sporting event, that 2005 Rose Bowl, that USC-Texas Rose Bowl, I, I, I truly think, in my mind, I still think that's the single best game Top to bottom that I've watched in my in my in my lifetime. It's a good one. It is definitely a good one. It's a good one. All right. 
D4 Top 4 for episode 11. There you go. All right, Dustin, you did not spend 50 hours in a hearse this week, but, you know, this is a real lifetime, this is a real life podcast. And you have real life obligations. You have a family. You've got kids. You've got to go take care of them. So you're signing off. You got any last any last call for me this week? Hmm. Not right off the top of my head. I mean, I'm I am interested to see how the rest of this postseason goes for baseball. Um, like we had yep. mentioned, Rangers. Uh, this was supposed to be a rebuilding year for them. And, man, if you win the World Series in a rebuilding year, you really yeah. cannot ask for anything else. Um, That's pretty good. So That's it'll be interesting rebuilding. to see. Yep. Right. And then you still got the Astros. Uh, I mean, the Braves are still in it, who are, in my opinion, were the best team in baseball, I mean, this year. So they've got to kind of mm-hmm. come through in the playoffs. And uh, So I'm interested. I know we don't talk a ton of baseball, but I'm interested to see how that goes. Yep. Yeah, no, fantastic, and I'm going to let you go, and I will wrap this show up for our good listeners. All right, thank you guys for for listening. I know i got to head out, but uh, I do appreciate it, and uh, also appreciate if you can get the word out and let them know about D4 Sports. We enjoy doing what we're doing. Uh, So I'll hand it uh, back over to Nick to, to close us out. All right, thank you, Dustin. You get out there and take care of your family because that's most important. We do have a couple of couple of things coming up in the near future. We got number one, we got the NHL season kicking off. Couple of big stories in the NHL this year. Number one, the Connor Bedard era kicked off this week in Chicago. Connor Bedard, he is the uh, the newest great phenom in in hockey. And his first game, he did in fact score himself a point with a, a an assist. So we will track the. Connor Bedard era as it goes. And maybe more importantly, Alex Ovechkin. Alex Ovechkin starts this season 73 goals away from breaking Wayne Gretzky's all-time goal record. The fact that anybody could possibly touch Wayne Gretzky's records is truly unheard of, I think, in the world of sports. But ladies and gentlemen, Alex Ovechkin... Could be that guy. So so tune into D4 Sports. We will keep you updated on the NHL as well as other stories. But for now, that's all we got. Episode 11. Thanks for listening. You know how this podcast game goes. If you can like it, if you can share it, if you can tweet it, if you can you know, put it out there on social media, we'd appreciate it. Any questions you've got, fire them into us. We'll happily address them. Any stories you think are of note, we will take them on because that's what we do in D4 Sports. Thanks very much, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. D4 Sports is brought to you by Don and Dustin and by our sponsors, Sports and Day Drinking. Special thanks go to Trey Klein for providing the music behind D4 and all our friends and family for supporting us throughout this episode.